Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Weekly Political Pep Talks, where we discuss major political headlines and issues within the United States. I'm Vishal. And I'm Leo. And before we begin, let's talk a little bit about ourselves, the hosts of this very podcast. As you know, our names are Leo and Vishal, and we started this podcast to express our own political opinions and spread information about current events dealing with American politics. That is right. And we are also both freshmen in high school, both born and raised in Connecticut, and are both involved in student government at our high schools. As a matter of fact, we're both class presidents. Anyways, each episode of this podcast will be broken down into segments. First, we will introduce and discuss some major headlines from the week. Then we'll move on to a main topic and discuss the importance of it and our thoughts. Finally, we'll close each episode with a quote of the week from someone in American politics, and we'll leave it up to you, the listeners, to guess who had said that quote. If you have a guess, DM us on Instagram at Weekly Political Pep Talks. The winners will get a shout out on our next episode, and the person who said it will be revealed, so stay tuned for that. As you've probably seen by the episode title, today we'll be discussing infrastructure within the United States. Now, without further ado, Leo, let's talk about some infrastructure. All right, Vishal. So before we get into some infrastructure, let's discuss some news headlines slash current events. Sounds good with me. All right. So I'm going to discuss one news headline first, and then you can have your turn. Sounds good? Yeah, that sounds good. The first headline that we have is from the New York Times, and the headline reads, Search for Survivors in Condo Collapse is Ending. So first, some background. On June 24th, a condominium in Surfside, Florida, near Miami, partially collapsed. In the days following, it has been discovered that approximately 60 people have died because of it. Now, the search for remaining survivors has officially ended, as stated in the headline, and officials say that at this point, there is zero chance of survival. So let's look at some history. The condo building was completed in 1981, but regulations on infrastructure back then did not require waterproofing layers. And so as the years have gone on, regulations have developed, but not to the point that they required old buildings like the Surfside condo to follow them. And so what this means is that the condo, without any waterproofing layers, became susceptible to water intrusion or leaking. And this actually weakened the layer of concrete on the garage. And this is the bottom layer of the condo building. And so the concrete layer was also not thick enough by today's current standards. And then the condo collapsed a few weeks ago. This collapse shows the importance of infrastructure regulations and why it's important to make sure that they are enforced. And when these regulations aren't enforced and buildings are not up to date, tragedies like the Surfside collapse can happen and lives are lost. This ties into the general idea of the importance of infrastructure regulations, which we'll talk about more in our main topic segment. Now, Vishal, over to you. And before I begin, I would just like to say that's very devastating, and my hearts are with all those families who had lost someone in that tragic event. All right, let's move on to the headline that I would like to discuss before we get into the main part of our episode. And that is from the Washington Post. Biden has almost or essentially almost completed his full withdrawal of U.S. troops from Afghanistan. And let's go into a little bit of background first. So on May 1st, if you don't know, President Biden had announced his plan to begin the drawdown of U.S. troops from Afghanistan. And this effectively had ended the 20-year war the U.S. was involved in. But first, let me give you a little bit of some history, I guess, about why this is so significant. So the United States had gone into war in Afghanistan in 2001 to drive out the terrorist organization known as Al-Qaeda. 
And if you guys don't know, Al-Qaeda was the terrorist organization that had taken responsibility for the horrible events that happened on September 11th, 2001. This essentially provoked the United States into sending troops into Afghanistan. And after Al-Qaeda's power in Afghanistan was diminished, the U.S. remained in Afghanistan to fight another terrorist organization known as the Taliban. The mm -hmm. Taliban is another terrorist group which has done and has claimed responsibility for some horrible attacks. So after Al-Qaeda was gone, the U.S. decided to remain in Afghanistan to fight the Taliban, and they established the current Afghan government. So what's being run in Afghanistan was mostly influenced by the United States. And with Biden's fairly recent announcement that the United States would begin an immediate withdrawal, controversy has struck. There's yeah, obviously true. an ongoing debate on whether it's right or wrong. And me and Leo are going to give our inputs on what we think about the withdrawal. Right. First, why don't you, why don't you explain the, the both sides yeah. of this issue? So on one hand, some agree with Biden's withdrawal because they believe the United States has done long enough and enough lives have been lost. And they think 20 years is far too long and they think the withdrawal is the right thing to do and taking U.S. troops back home to see their families is important. On the other hand, though, some disagree with Biden's immediate withdrawal because they believe the U.S. troops should stay and help the Afghan government to continue fight the Taliban. So now you want to give our opinions on what you think about the situation? I'll yeah, yeah. you go first, Leah. All right. So my opinion on Biden officially pulling troops out of Afghanistan, which currently has, I believe, reached 90% capacity, 90% of troops have been pulled out of Afghanistan. So I do support this withdrawal of troops because I do believe that too many deaths have occurred both on the side of the U.S. soldiers. I think too many U.S. soldiers have died and as well as too many innocent Afghan citizens have died. And because of this, I believe that if we do want to support, and I do believe that we should still support fighting against the Taliban, that this can be done in other ways that's not direct involvement by U.S. troops. We can send economic aid to Afghanistan to help them fight the Taliban, and we can do it through other ways that don't involve putting more lives on the line for this war that, as you said before, Vishal, has already lasted over 20 years. Carry so I understand your point, Leo, but I'm actually going to have to oppose Biden's plan of immediate withdrawal. So why is that? I just think that we're not at that point yet where Taliban and and Al-Qaeda have been fully eradicated yet. And there have been some claims that the Taliban have made some strides towards the capital in Afghanistan. So I think that an immediate drawdown of U.S. troops is a very dangerous thing and it's a very risky thing. So I think that while we can provide economic support, and I do believe that is something that we should do, I don't think that we're at that point yet of an immediate drawdown. I think that's a very interesting point. And just to extend upon that a little bit more, I think what you were referring to is the idea of a power vacuum, that if the U.S. pulls out of a place where they've been in for a long time too quickly, then that leaves nobody in charge, essentially, which leads to the rise of many fundamentalist groups such as the Taliban and such as ISIS in Iraq. And so in this way, I do understand what you're saying, well, that we don't want to risk the idea of if the U.S. pulls out of Afghanistan, that terrorist organizations like the Taliban might rise to power abruptly. So yeah. I do understand that point there. But overall, I still do support the withdrawal just because I think too many lives have been lost. And if we do stay in, it simply looks like it's going to be a forever war and that there's no seeming end of this war. And, and I respect that. I respect mm -hmm. that. All right. So I think that wraps up our time for headlines. And I think it's time to move on to our main topic segment. Yeah, let's get into our main topic. All right. So as we previously mentioned, our main topic is infrastructure for this episode. And before we begin, I would just like to define infrastructure for all our listeners right now. And our podcast defines infrastructure as the basic physical and organizational structures and facilities needed for the operation of society. So this includes stuff like buildings, roads, and power supplies, and generally all the kinds of structures that are needed for a functioning society. Yeah. And so there's a distinction between public and private infrastructure, however, and these are different things. So Vishal, why don't you explain that? So we'll define 
private infrastructure as infrastructure that is funded by private entities and like private corporations and all that. And you have to pay or use this stuff. So do you want to give an example of private infrastructure, Leo, for our audience? Yeah. Yeah. So a private, an example of private infrastructure would be any kind of building or residential home where you have to, you have to pay to live in there and it's owned by a private entity, but then it is still a building. So it would still fall under the definition of infrastructure. Yes. All right, so then I'll define public infrastructure. And for the purposes of our discussion, public infrastructure is funded by the government and it is able to be used by all citizens. So why don't you give an example of public infrastructure? You know, anything that includes bridges. One famous one that comes to mind is the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. Right, right. anybody can drive on it and it's funded by the government. So that would be public infrastructure. All All right, right. so why don't you give a little bit of history? All right, so before 1700, infrastructure back then was very basic. So paved roadways for walking and horse carriages, as well as canals for boats and all that stuff. Right. But in the past few hundred years, it has evolved immensely. And now major intercontinental highways and high-speed railways exist, as well as skyscrapers and large buildings. So mm-hmm. it has it has developed uh, quite a large way. So infrastructure nowadays plays a significant role in everyday life, and it has for as long as it's existed. And I'm sure everybody listening has been on a highway or a train at least once in their life. Yes. I'm, I mean, I, I might be, I'm a bit of a nerd here, but if you think about all the engineering that goes into the process of making these like big things, such as highways and these train tracks, it's just crazy. It really is. Yeah. yeah. And we often see that the regulations for stuff like public buildings, we see that the regulations for these buildings are often outdated. Right. And this means that buildings built years ago, even decades ago, uh, sometimes are not updated for the current year's standards. And as you just said, looking back at the Surfside condo collapse, which was due to outdated waterproofing regulations, or at least that was one of the causes of the collapse, uh, we see that when infrastructure regulations are disregarded or they're not enforced, catastrophic events can occur. And going along with that, Surfside condo collapse is not the only example of this. There are various other examples that have happened in the past or recently. On July 7th, which was at the day we're filming this only like a couple days ago, mm-hmm. Georgetown University had to evacuate students from a residential hall due to an outdated structural check. Right. But thankfully, engineers caught this before the building collapsed or hurt anyone. But this is not always the case. So, for example, on June 24th, a pedestrian bridge in Washington, D.C. collapsed after being hit by a boom truck. And this severely injured three people. Why don't you explain the reason? For yes. This? There is also a strong reason to believe that the reason why this bridge was so weak is because it was given a rating of a poor condition per the WJLA, which is a local DC news network. Right. So in reality, engineers are supposed to prevent these events from happening through annual checkups and making sure that regulations are being followed. However, based on the examples that we have just given with Georgetown University and the pedestrian bridge in Washington, D.C., as well as the Surfside condo collapse, we see that this is often not the case and this simply does not happen sometimes. And so it's clear that infrastructure regulations are necessary to keep people safe. And if they're not enforced, people can and do die. So hopefully the main thing you get from this is the important and significant role infrastructure does play. But the big takeaway from this really is that this does and can affect lives, right? Yeah. And the fact of whether or not infrastructure regulations are enforced affects whether or not people die. And it Mm -hmm. is safe and it is important to enforce them. Yes. On a similar note, President Biden has introduced an infrastructure plan into Congress. So after many changes, the plan now includes... $312 billion in new spending for transportation, which includes $109 billion for roads and bridges, and $49 billion for public transit. 
Yeah. So just on a quick side note, me and Lara are just going to quickly go through, like, the summarize what's exactly in this bill. And then we're going to provide our thoughts and opinion on if we think this bill truly is a good idea and if we support it. Do you want to go ahead and talk a little bit about it? Uh, I'll continue about okay. President Biden's plan. Okay. So it also includes billions of dollars for a new spending for water and electricity infrastructure, as well as for green energy power sources, which would help combat climate change and is a very crucial part of this bill. Yes. However, after negotiation with Republican senators, it now lacks what the president refers to as human infrastructure. And now let's go ahead and define what exactly human infrastructure is. So human infrastructure would include things like money allocated to child care and tax credit. Biden claims the plan, if passed by the Senate, would create an abundance of jobs, which would boost the economy after its recent devastation from COVID. Right. So that's what Biden claims about the plan. Yeah. However, Republicans, on the other hand, think that despite its benefits, the bill is simply too expensive as it does introduce hundreds of billion dollars in new spending. And you might see on the news that it's over a trillion dollars in, in spending. But what the reality is, is that a lot of that spending is just renewed spending. And so it's only about 600, $700 billion in new spending on both physical infrastructure and human yeah. infrastructure. It's important to understand that when you look at the number, you have to get some context on it, right? So like some news sources may claim it's this much money, but you also have to understand, as we said before, some of that money, which they claim, if it seems like a lot of money comes from renewed spending. So are you ready to share our thoughts on this? I think so. Yeah. All right. So why don't you go first, Leo? All right. So I'll share my opinions both on Biden's bill and on the general topic of infrastructure. So I do believe that regulations on infrastructure are necessary and are also essential to protecting lives. And so without them, corporations will always try to cut corners and will always try to find quick and cheap and inexpensive ways to build buildings and build roads and bridges. But oftentimes that may be at the expense of people's lives. And so this may result in out-of-date buildings and lives lost, such as the Surfside condo collapse in Florida. So Biden's infrastructure bill specifically should be passed as soon as possible, in my opinion. However, I do regret that important parts of the bill, like funding for child care and important tax credits for working class families, have been removed. And I do regret that. But overall, I do think that it should be passed as soon as possible because I do think it includes important things that do save lives because infrastructure and infrastructure regulations do save lives. That was very well said. Uh, I'll move on to my thoughts. So I definitely agree with you on the idea of infrastructure. It plays a huge role in the daily lives of any any common man. So I'm definitely on you with that. Infrastructure, a must-have and must be kept to a high standard, right? We have to make sure that our engineers are on top of this so we can avoid devastating events like the Surfside condo collapse. Exactly. However, I'm going to have to disagree with you on one thing. I think that the compromise was, I think it's a much better deal rather than Biden's initial plan because we also have to keep in mind how much money we are spending on this thing. So I think on another point in Biden's term, or if he gets another one, we can focus on the human infrastructure like those programs where the money is going to be allocated to. But I think that his plan, his bill right now covers a bunch of things that we need. Of course. So yes, so that I'm on you with infrastructure, but I think that the compromise is a good compromise. Okay, now let's get into another thing about why I agree with this plan. Mm -hmm. I think that when Biden and other various Democrats have also brought up the amount of jobs, blue collar jobs in general that will be created from this plan, mm -hmm. essentially, we're going to give a bunch of jobs to, to anybody. And obviously, that's going to benefit the economy a lot. So I think this bill is a win-win situation for the U.S. Right. And I think that this compromise should be, be passed by the Senate. I think that it's time for Republicans to get on board because mm -hmm. it's something that's very important. It's a win-win situation for the U.S. with a potential amount of lives that could be saved from the passing of this bill. 
and the amount of jobs that can be created, which in turn benefits the economy. Mm-hmm. So, if I may jump in a little, just yeah. So you mentioned the idea of more jobs being created, but also the idea of spending. And so my point of view on this is that when you put in money into the economy and when you spend even hundreds of billions of dollars, which may seem like so much money, the idea is that you do get money out of it. And as you just said, more jobs being created benefits the economy, yeah. right? So when it does seem like so much money is is being spent, right? You have to think of two things that one, you're getting money through taxes, right? And then you're also getting money back from the economy uh, based on the products that are produced with these jobs, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Say, for example, let's say you create a lot of jobs for building roads and bridges, right? But then you also get money back in tolls from people who drive on those roads and bridges. So it's not like we're losing hundreds of billions of dollars. Uh, And even if we were, the idea is that people are safer and people are better kept and the country as a whole is better infrastructurally if that's a word yeah um but yeah so that's my thoughts on this and i think that's a good end to our opinions on this infrastructure and now let's go on to our quote of the week so leo without further ado would you like to introduce this episode's quote i would love to so today's quote of the week is and i quote We should not be scrimping on investments in public safety. The lack of infrastructure spending is costing us lives in America, unquote. Very interesting quote. So can you guess who said that? If you have an idea, please DM us on Instagram at Weekly Political Pep Talks. And if you think you know, don't be afraid. And also, if you do guess correctly, then you will get a shout out in our next week's episode. And that, my friend, concludes our very first episode of Weekly Political Pep Talks. Well, that is it for now. Please join us next week. So happy listening and stay political.